Welcome to Season 4, Episode 4 of the Lucas Baseball Podcast, brought to you by DrRoto.com. Check out our fantasy baseball draft guide. Start dominating your drafts and your leagues. I'm Lou Landers, joined by my co-host, Lucas Abiri. Lucas, on our last episode, we broke down the second base rankings and tiers. This episode, we're moving things over to third base. What are your thoughts? Third base, a much maligned position here for fantasy baseball purposes and and for solid reasons i'm not saying it's a great position i do think though it is a position that you can address at a relatively decent price Uh, we're going to talk about the options i think some players that are going early on are a little overdrafted not saying they're not good hitters not saying they can't provide excellent power and run production but I think that there are some reasonable facsimiles that uh, you can get a bit cheaper so that you can address uh, bigger needs uh, early in the draft. Fair points, for sure. Uh, This cream of the crop tier, Jose Ramirez, Rafael Devers, and Manny Machado. And it really might not get much better than this. All three of these guys are top 15 hitters in fantasy baseball Ramirez clearly the best of the bunch arguably the third best all-around player in fantasy if I have the third pick in a draft and Turner and Tatis Jr. are gone I'm going Ramirez basically every time five category player hits in the middle of his lineup but with some of these other guys these two specifically Devers and Machado there's really not many hitters in Major League Baseball who can possibly get you 40 homers 100 runs 100 RBIs while also hitting around 280 uh, 350 on base percentage and five to eight steals. I think we could probably count them on one hand. And one of those players is Raphael Devers. He's an absolute stud, a guy who, if he can steal 10 or more bases, might be a five to seven pick overall versus in that, you know, 12 to 15 range. And then Manny Machado. Um, kind of the consolation prize of this tier, Lucas. Ramirez going top five, Devers in that 12 to 15 range. Machado going more in the 22 to 28 range. But at his best, Machado could be as good as Devers and pretty close to Ramirez. He's got that 35 home run power. He can score 100. He can drive in 100. Uh, Career 280 hitter despite struggling to bat 256 in his first year with the Padres. Double-digit stolen bases. Uh, Based on where Devers and Ramirez are going, Machado might actually be valued despite being a top 30 pick where Machado and Devers clearly are going to fall short of Ramirez though is in stolen bases barring an injury to Ramirez. Ramirez is more in that 20 to 25 maybe more in the stolen base department. That's why he is a top three to five pick but I think people don't realize how close Machado is to Devers and Ramirez in a lot of ways. Absolutely that's some excellent points on on those players with with Ramirez, easily my my 1.2 pick. Sure, I'll agree that Fernando Tatis Jr. has more upside, but the injury risk is something that needs to be talked about. We might be overblowing it, but it's something where I'm not willing to, to take him in the top uh, two at least. With Ramirez, I mean, this guy never strikes out. He walks over 10% of the time. He potentially can go 30-30. If he gets traded to the Toronto Blue Jays, which is a possibility, I mean, you could be looking at 130-plus runs or RBIs. So that's another tiny factor. I'm not going to count it, but it is a possibility since this is a club that's cheapened out and moved off of uh, you know Francisco Lindor in the past. Devers, there's not a ton to be said other than the fact that he's a superstar caliber hitter. The five 
steals that he provided last year were excellent. He also had five caught stealings, though. So I think that there's a possibility those could just completely wipe away. And you're looking at 40 homers and a 280 average. There's nothing to complain about. But just wanted to throw that in there on the caught stealings premium uh, lineup in division context, too. His runs and RBIs, I would imagine, could be a little bit higher than Machado. But Machado is a player similar to Devers. I'm not going to let him get past pick 20 in a draft. And I potentially could take him even sooner. Machado, I think, has a little bit more stickiness to his stolen bases because he has provided double digits quite often, uh, three times in his career. He's more higher success rate. He doesn't strike out very much with a 16% strikeout rate last year while hitting for tons of power. He's an iron man at the position. All three of these guys are excellent building blocks and uh, priority picks. If you have, uh, you know, in that in that uh, wheel area. 15 16 range they're very liable to go off the board in my book yeah two things i would consider taking machado at pick 16 uh depending on who i'm getting at 15 for sure and the prospect of jose ramirez potentially going to the blue jays is very scary uh that line i've already so good but it is a possibility and maybe i'm way off but as you're saying that i'm thinking okay what are the jays trading groshans gritchick nate pearson You'd have to move. You'd have to move five to six valuable things because Jose Ramirez only makes eleven million dollars a year. He's an excellent defender. He, like I said, in a real life context, a player that strikes out fifteen percent. So Groshans, Groshans, Biggio, Grychuk, Nate Pearson, and somebody else. I'm not th- thinking of. <laughs> I, I think I think it has to start with. Uh, with the the premium catching prospect uh, Gabriel Moreno to start, and then I think uh, I think that it's just going to be have to be an overwhelming amount five to six excellent pieces and yeah I don't know yeah. we'll see if Moreno it might put that put that deal uh, together if um, you use a bunch of the dudes I was mentioning who are all expendable by the Blue Jays yes it's um, a move that should be done if Cleveland is uh, willing to go that route as a person that rooted for Cleveland last year with their elite pitching and watching Ramirez and Fran Mel Reyes do well. I would much prefer it if they just re-signed him. He's not made it as much money as he has provided the team. You know, $11 million for... Yeah, but they're not going to pay him the $30 million that he should warrant. That is true. And that's the reality kicking in. I was going more optimistic route, hoping that they would pay him, but you're more reality and he probably will switch teams soon. Yeah, and they'd be smart to to trade him before that happens, of course, not losing him in free agency. I mean, I don't know what the new collective bargaining agreement's going to be and if and when it's even going to be agreed upon, but uh, Cleveland is going to definitely want whatever they can get for Ramirez, and they could get a lot for him. Um, They're definitely going to want more than, let's say, what the Orioles got for Manny Machado, for instance. I think they took way too long to trade Machado. Cleveland would be smart to do it sooner rather than later, so it adds more value to what Ramirez could get back. But let's move things away from the trade talk. Time for we could talk about it. Millions of stuff like this on other podcasts. Big time bats is the tier. Austin Riley, Nolan Arenado, Alex Brigman, and Chris Bryant, and. All of these guys have superstar potential or are already superstars, depending on who you ask. Riley and Bryant 
Both come with a couple warts for me. Riley jumped up rankings in a massive way a year ago, and we always knew about the power bat. What we didn't know was that he could hit 300 at the big league level, especially after seeing him bat 226 and 239 in his first two seasons. You don't see jumps that high typically. Uh, Bryant has been injury-prone and consistent since he won the NL MVP years ago, and although he has the potential to be great, there's a lot of risk for my liking, especially while he's unsigned. Still like both players, of course, but the two guys I really like in this tier, Arenado, so incredibly consistent. Average dropped his first year away from Coors, maybe even stays in the 250 range, but there's few players I trust to give me 30-plus homers and 100 RBIs every year, more than I trust Nolan Arenado. Since 2015, and excluding the 2020 shortened season, Arenado's worst home run in RBI output, 34 and 105. ADP in the 60s, you can't tell me that's not an insane bargain for one of the most consistent hitters of the last, what, uh, eight years. Um, then Bregman, uh, risk with him because of the wrist injury, but this guy was amazing during uh, the, in, before the injuries, I should say, and before COVID. Yes. Uh, 27 years old, has shown us the ability to smash 40 homers, hover around 300, as batting average, score 100, drive in 100. Um, also had seasons of double-digit stolen bases. He's certainly not being drafted as a stolen base guy anymore, but that doesn't mean he can't or won't do it. Um, he's really not far removed from being a consensus first-round, beginning-of-second-round caliber player. So Arenado and Bregman really stand out to me with what they could do. Riley and Bryant still solid. Yes, Riley, look, you're paying for a brand name breakout and that's that's okay he could i hate uh, he i just think that he's going to fall back on the average department you're looking at probably a 270 batting average with 30 home runs that's kind of the common projection i've seen thrown out there and i think that's quite fair 25 percent strikeout rates uh puts a lot of pressure on him to have a high babbit which he did last year at 368 not necessarily a sustainable mark however if he does it again We'll have to change our tune. Not interested inside the top 60 with Riley. Nolan Arenado, the big change, obviously. Uh, the power, the big change is his batting average. It dropped from around 300 or so in cores down to 255. 255 is very neutral. It's not going to hurt your batting average. It's not going to help you. And with 30 home runs and, and 100 RBIs locked in, I think that he is a very safe bet going around pick 70. I love that call. Um, haven't taken him yet though. Cause I think I can get a, a third baseman for even cheaper that I also like a lot too, that will hit up. Uh, so Nolan is excellent. If you want to have that firm security at third, but you know uh, where Nolan's really point. perfect. Lucas is if you go starting pitcher around one or two and then grab one of those elite closers yeah. around three or four, and you start taking your best bat after that. And you need that locked in production. He really kind of yes. balances out the, um, the fact that you might not have that built-in production yet because you've gone pitcher heavy. He is an extreme stabilizer. So if you're at the auction table and you just want to guarantee yourself production out of a $20 player, that's your Nolan Arenado. Yeah, it's probably a 250 to 260 batting average because St. Louis is a, tr is a tough park to hit in. Well, let's also look at it this way, Lou. And I know that you, you've seen this many times. Players do take time to get used to a new ballpark as well as stadium. Paul Goldschmidt in his first year in St. Louis did not wow anybody. But then once he kind of learned the ballpark, he learned where to where to put his hits. He went from a 260 average in 2019 Goldschmidt 
to a 300 batting average the past two years. So that's another consideration. With Bregman. Absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, With Bregman, any player that has walked more than he struck out at a recent at a recent point in his career and is only 28. The injuries are piling up for Bregman wrist surgery. Uh, this off season, he dealt with lower half issues. I had him rostered. I experienced it. Hamstring quad, not pretty, but he is young enough where I don't think that he's injury prone. He also could hit for hit uh, third or fourth in one of the best lineups in baseball. So that has to be a huge selling point. I would not expect much speed since, like I said, he's had quad and hamstring issues. I think they're going to want to try to keep him clean and upright on the field. But 13% strikeout rate with 22-plus home run pop and excellent counting stats and a good batting average. I get that it's tough to to bet on a guy coming off surgery, but this is a value. It's easier to bet on him after pick 75 or 80, though, and that's where you're getting him. Uh, It'd be be difficult in the top 50. Yeah, he's easily my favorite uh, in this tier, so wanted to throw that out there. And with Bryant, just to kind of go through him quickly, he's he's a guy that has been written off by many, and that's understandable. He's had some injuries throughout his career, but, I mean, still, he has a career WRC plus of 134. He's a very good hitter. The 10 stolen bases last year I do think could be a bit of a mirage. I could see that slipping down to four to six. That's still not nothing at third base, which is a tough position for steals. But if you're hoping for 25 homers, 260, 270 average, and, and good enough runs in RBIs, I think that he's fine. He's just It's kind of a boring profile in a weird way inside the top 100. I'm with you. Very satisfactory options is the next tier. We have DJ LeMayhew, Key Brian Hayes, Justin Turner, Adalberto Mondesi, Anthony Rendon, Josh Donaldson, and Yohan Moncada. And we've talked a lot about LeMayhew on the first and second base show, so I don't have much to add other than the fact that not going to hit for a lot of power, but could be 100 runs and an elite batting average if he's fully recovered from the injury hitting atop that Yankees lineup. Uh, Brian Hayes, one of the few corner infield eligible players who has a chance to actually help you in stolen bases, also has flash power and ability to hit for average, could be a disappointment, could also be poised kind of for a re-breakout, if you will. Justin Turner, so steady, so consistent. DH coming to the NL, I think he should be able to stay off his feet a lot more this season while still having the bat in the lineup. Age might be a factor, but I'm loving him where he's going. Uh, Mondesi wrote this up in the draft guide. I'll go into some detail here, though. He runs a lot when healthy, but he's basically never healthy anymore, meaning I really want little to do with him. There seems to be kind of a misconception about his power as well. People think he has it, but (laughs) career-high 14 homers doesn't necessarily display that to me. Maybe you get lucky and he does hit 20, but I think he would need a full season to do it, and he's never played in more than 102 games in an MLB season. He's a career 249 hitter, a career 283 on base percentage, kind of like the new Billy Hamilton, 40 stolen base upside, not much else. Yeah. We'll go with Mondesi first, then go swing back to Hayes and Turner, two players that I had a really hard time determining who I liked more. Turner is just a better hitter, but Hayes just more exciting in my mind. With Mondesi, I'll be brief here because it's fairly straightforward. I can certainly see him being a difference maker, to say the least, in fantasy this year. It's all about the health, and we all know that. 
the other factor that goes into my mind as well is that he is third base eligible. Some people view that as a good thing. I'm not sure how I think, though, because you're going to have to replace him with a third baseman, which is a tough position to find once he goes down. So you're going to have to kind of pair him up with somebody else who you really like or else you're exposing yourself for whenever he does get injured if that does happen, which, by the way, career high. 102 games and he's been in the MLB for about five years at this point. Yes, exactly. And the, the, the minimal power that you had brought up, I kind of laughed at that. I think it's relative to a rabbit or a speed Billy Hamilton guy. You know, his slugging percentages have for his career been at 419. That's a lot higher than Hamilton. Uh, once you factor in taking out the doubles of Hamilton and looking at just homers. So he does have a little bit more power. But he is not a power bat, so I agree. It's just yeah, my it's not the down. best comp. Obviously, he has more power than Hamilton. The point really is more so that you're drafting him for maybe one and a half categories. If you if you are having multiple teams in the NFBC in a draft champions league or with the online championship, and you just want to grab him once or twice, just in case this is the year that he rips off 50 seals, which I will admit is possible. I think Certainly that's perfectly is. reasonable. He's I got just, speed for days. I mean, there's no questioning that. It's just a strategy that I'm not particularly interested in because if you're counting on him for 30 to 40 steals and he delivers you, you know, 12 to, to 20, you're missing your targets and you're going to replace him with probably like a Yandy Diaz or an Evan Longoria, which is a pretty big downgrade. Yeah, and guys who are not going to get you steals either. Um, so you're, you're really putting a lot of eggs into that one Mondesi basket. Um, I'll let you come back on Hayes and Turner if you have something, but I want to touch on a couple of the other players in this tier with Rendon, Donaldson, and Moncada. Rendon and Donaldson, two of the better hitting third basemen over the past decade or so. Problem is, both of them have had issue staying on the field um yeah. if, if healthy they'll produce you'll be getting excellent value this late in your draft they're worth the gamble but make sure you have a contingency plan because you also might be looking at 60 to 80 games for each player um donaldson a little safer because i think he could dh in minnesota whereas that's not going to be the case in la with the angels rendon's third base or nothing for the most part and then moncada uh he's a player i like just not at the adp Another guy I wrote up in the DrRoto.com draft guide. So for more of my take on Moncada, go read that. Go check that out. Lucas, I'll let you go into detail on Moncada if you'd like. And then, of course, touch upon Rendon, Donaldson, and any of the other guys you want to talk about here. Sure. I'll be brief about these players because I think it's pretty clear. Uh, Rendon and Donaldson are good bats. They are really good bats, in fact. It's just a matter of health. I'm perfectly okay going with either one of them as long as, like you said, you get that backup plan. If you're if you're looking for a third baseman off the waiver wire this year, you might be sorely disappointed. So you're going to want to make sure that you get a, a backup. That's extremely important. Uh, with Moncada, he was a premium prospect. He was, in fact, I believe, a number one overall prospect. He's delivered some batting average at times. He's delivered some home runs at times. His stolen bases look to be gone. And his, his approach has fluctuated from a high strikeout guy to more of a high walk guy. And I think he's trying to settle into what he is. I would not be surprised if he had a, a big breakout year with 25 homers and a 270 average. And perhaps maybe he steals five to six bags. And more importantly, hitting in a premium AL offense in Chicago. 
but I just don't know if that's, you know, that's probably far from guaranteed. So, you know what, that's kind of... Lucas, I'm feeling very charitable today. I'm going to read yeah. you exactly what I wrote in the draft guide for Yon Moncada. I have him as the bust on the Chicago White Sox team page. And word for word, I'm going to read it to you. I really hate to do this because I am a Moncada fan and I still hold out hope he will develop into the star player he was expected to become. After the breakout in 2019, he, where he batted 315 with 25 homers and 10 stolen bases, it seemed as though he was finally rising to stardom. However, since that season, he's been a huge disappointment unless you play in on-base percentage leagues. Even with his high OBP, he's not stealing bases anymore, the power numbers are down, he is a career 260 hitter, even with a year where he batted 315 in the mix. His 2020 and 2021 output wouldn't be a concern if he wasn't being taken so early in drafts heading into the 2022 season. He is still a good, productive player, just not at the price of a 6th to 7th round pick in 15 team leagues. He is just 26 years old, though, so there is time for the re-breakout. Just not worth the gamble at the current ADP. I think that's pretty fair. It's it's a player that I'm certainly not going to cross off my list like I will others, because if he does slip in drafts, which he has done before. I've seen him slip to 190, and then I was totally down. Wow. He just he just got sniped from me, but I was totally down to take him at 190, just not at 130. Exactly. It's just difficult to see what you're going to get with Moncada. Um, but that's kind of my, my final thoughts. And uh, before we move on, I'd love to go over to Hayes and Turner if uh, if you're ready to wrap up Moncada. Absolutely. Move over to those two guys. I think with Turner, it's an extremely you know obvious case, kind of like with Donaldson and Turn, kind of like with uh, Donaldson and Rendon. He's just a really good hitter. He's going to hit cleanup like Rendon and Donaldson. He's going to do it in a much better lineup than than Donaldson in a better lineup than Rendon. His plate discipline skills have remained flawless, and he's been able to tap into really good power with uh, really good batting average. I, I don't want to say premium batting average, but it's close. The issue is the, the hamstrings uh, issues and some of the soft tissue injuries that he's dealt with. But that is more than being baked into his price. Um, so I, I'm I'm very interested in him, but it's another important note with him. You must make sure you get a quality backup because he could easily miss some time. Yeah, I do think the DH, if we're talking about Turner, uh, yeah. is really going to benefit him, though. Like, so much. There's really no reason why he needs to play the field all that often at this point. I, I agree. He's... He's 38, which that scares people off, but that also gives him a huge discount. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of that on, on Turner, and I can go into Hayes if we're ready to move on. Yeah, I know at one point you were a big Key Brian Hayes fan. Is that still the case, or have you soured a little bit? Uh, soured is definitely strong, but I have cooled off a little bit, and it's mostly for injury reasons. He dealt with a wrist issue. Uh, really starting in May, whenever he got plunked with a hit-by-pitch against the Cubs, I, it kind of broke my heart whenever it happened. And then he kind of came back from the wrist issue, and then he re-injured it, re-aggravated it. And then he kind of dealt with it off and on all year, which was a horrifying situation. And he even admitted in an interview that you can look up that he stopped stealing bags because his wrist was bothering him. Reasonable explanation. Hopefully he's healthy and he moves on. However, the 
Yeah, no, you, you, I mean, he. there's certainly a lot of upside from him. Uh, it just really comes down to whether or not it's enough to warrant, um, you know, taking him over certain other players at the position. Just with the wrist that he's dealt with, and then he also had formed assist on his wrist as well, I just don't really know what health output we're going to get. So while I do think he could provide 15-plus home runs with, 10 to 15 plus steals and a good batting average because he does have health concerns. I'm afraid to load up on him, even though I love the talent to kind of wrap it up with Hayes. Fair enough. Uh, over to the next tier, last of the solid starters. We got Ryan McMahon, Jimer Candelario, Luis Urias, Eugenio Suarez, and Matt Chapman. And I do like this tier, just not necessarily putting much faith into any of these players other than yes. maybe Ryan McMahon and possibly Jimer Candelario. Uh, McMahon has showed consistently good production over the past two full seasons, benefits from playing his games in Coors, even chips in five to six steals. Uh, Candelario struggled in his first season in Detroit, but has since turned things around since the start of 2020, hitting for average. The power developing Tigers lineup is improving. There's a lot more good than there is bad from him and at 28 years old kind of could be primed to break out so those are the two i like the most in the tier or trust the most i should say i fully agree mcmahon is best benefited whenever you can bench him on the road because he has a stark contrast in batting average at home and on the road so that's a thing to consider candelario is is, is uh oatmeal but he is serviceable and he also was tied for first in doubles last year in the MLB, so you could possibly see more of those turn into home runs, even though his ballpark's tough and may prevent that in Detroit. To wrap up briefly here, I think Eugenio Suarez and Matt Chapman are kind of similar at this point. They are, are very low average, but potentially high power bats. And if if I had to, and I was shut out on the position, I could live with them as starters. Uh, but after those guys, uh, I would not be able to live with any of the guys following this tier as starters. Yeah, I mean, Suarez and Chapman, um, they're basically being drafted on 100% of your rosters. They're just becoming liabilities because of their batting averages. Uh, 30 homers counting stats is great, but Suarez batting 200 the past two years, Chapman's Average declining every year since 2018, mm -hmm. where he batted 278 compared to the 210 in 2021. Big time drop off. Quickly on uh, Luis Urias, I like the power numbers he put up a year ago. Really good in June, August, and September. Kind of somewhat post-hype, too. He's already entering his fifth yeah. year in, in the big leagues. He's just 24. Uh, I think the Padres just called him up way too early. And now that he's kind of settled into the big leagues, I'm willing to take a chance on him at pick 180 or so. Um, not going to have him in a lot of places, but I think it would be silly to just kind of write him off considering he is that young. He once was heralded and uh, put up some pretty good numbers in the playing time last year. Absolutely. That is one of my favorite aspects of fantasy baseball is that a guy who was somewhat of an afterthought last year and Luis Urias becomes all of a sudden a guy that people are targeting as their starting third baseman, and he was a big prospect, but people kind of got off of him quickly, as sometimes they'll do, and uh, he's he's perfect for the triple eligibility. To wrap up with uh, Suarez and Chapman, Chapman I really don't want on my teams because I think he could provide a Miguel Sano-level anchor on the batting average dropping you down, but Suarez I think has more uh, bounce-back upside, and I would like him as a, uh, as a CI or an MI with his dual eligibility.
Yeah, that definitely adds to his value for sure. Next tier, still a little hope. We got Eduardo Escobar, Abraham Toro, Evan Longorio, Gio Rochella, Mike Moustakis, and Josh Young. Um, so Escobar and Toro, we talked about on the second base show. So if you didn't hear that, folks, go back and listen. Briefly, though, Toro put together a really good stretch once he was traded to Seattle and should see lots of at-bats. Escobar should see most um mostly consistent at bats there's a lot of mouths to feed in that Mets team though uh solid counting stats uh not hurting your batting average but to some of the guys we haven't gone to talk about yet I'm kind of grouping Longoria and Urshela together uh because they both had excellent seasons in the past obviously Longoria was once a top player at the position whereas Urshela um I don't really love him much at third base but I do like him as a middle infielder or your last option at shortstop. Uh, my concern for Longoria, he's 36 years old. His last great season was back in 2016, and his last solid season, 2017, he's been fairly unproductive since then. So I'm not really into Longoria. Again, Urshela, because of the shortstop and middle infield eligibility, is more interesting to me. Um, Mustakis quickly might get saved by the DH because prior to that, I just don't think he was going to be playing anywhere. There was nowhere to yeah. play him. Um, but this was a guy that was a 30 homer, 95 RBI type of player before joining the Reds. Um, he's come very short of those expectations since then. But, I mean, potentially DHing, uh, where he's going, why not take a flyer on him? Mustakis has easily the highest upside in this tier, realistic upside as well to to bounce up, maybe even past uh, the the tier that we just discussed, and maybe into the Donaldson Turner tier. I could easily see that. I just know that last year he had dealt with foot issues, plantar fasciitis, came back, re-injured it, never got healthy. DH. It's a gamble because he's an aging player with uh, with injury issues, but you know it's a great discount to take advantage of. I know that you had touched up on Longoria being very meh and his his uh, 81 games last year, they don't stand out that much, but 13 home runs in 81 games. He also had a career best 13% barrel rate and a 54% fan graphs hard hit rate. I know it's uh, it's not pretty to to want to take on Longoria, but in the DCs, where you just need valuable playing time, I think whenever he's healthy, Longoria hitting in the middle of the Giants lineup is going to be boring but satisfactory. Sure, draft champions, draft and holds. I, yes. I, I, I can dig it. I can definitely dig it. Quickly on Josh Jung, uh, people probably know this, but there's some people who might not or might be in the middle of their drafts or might have gotten unlucky and taken him the day before the injury was announced. <clears throat> me. Uh, but Chung, once again, dealing with a preseason injury. The status is unknown at the moment. Uh, has the potential to be an immediate impact caliber bat. Also has the potential to not play much, if at all, this season. What are you doing with him? They did announce that he's out for the entire season. <laughs> okay, there you go. See? So I'm not caught up. Uh, basically a wasted pick for me. Terrible, terrible news for a good young player that had a lot uh, to look forward to. Perhaps Texas will go out there and now try to get another bat in free agency to join Seager and Semyon. But anything to say on these guys or are ready to move on to that final tier? With Josh Young, uh, man, I have this guy in a dynasty league and my hopes are pinned on him to, uh, to produce soon. I think that he had a chance for plus batting average. 22 to 25 homers and uh to see his season get dashed away is a gut punch i 
I hope that he comes back and, and, and is a productive player, but it's far from a guarantee, and I hate to see it, even though he's a hardworking guy. On Gio Urshela, I want to just wrap up real quickly with him. There's not a lot to say with him. He's just a solid little compiler guy for the for the Yankees, just decent, no speed, but a touch of power, a touch of average, and, and if he plays for a good lineup, I like it. What do you see as his playing time moving forward, Lou? I mean, he could be the everyday shortstop. So, yeah. I, I I mean, we don't really know until free agency resolves itself again or, like, comes back if maybe the Yankees go out and spend that money. I doubt it. They haven't done it yet. And Volpe and Peraza aren't ready yet. So, That's I mean, it, it's it's probably not the most ideal situation for the Yankees to do that, but that's probably what they're doing, at least to start the season. No, that that makes a ton of sense. It is hard to say what we're looking at here. He's a guy that theoretically I liked more like around 25, 26 and draft and holds because like I said, he's boring, but he is productive, but the possibility that he get papered over with a Trevor story or a Carlos Correa, it has. Well, even that though, he could go back to his original third base position and LeMahieu would get a lot of time at first base. And then Voight would be the odd man out. So there's there's multiple ways for him to get in to the lineup. Um, the el- the positional eligibility he does have and the flexibility he does have do offer uh, the Yankees opportunities to get move him around. And they do like him as a player. Um, That's so, true. So good I defender. Think... He, is, I, he is a good defender. I like him. But it is the kind of guy that I worried could get papered over once the once the lockout is over and madness happens with the transactions. Certainly so. Um, so this last tier here called spec place slash the bargain bin. We got Luis Arias, Patrick Wisdom, Hunter Dozier, Joey Wendell, Haseon Kim, Alec Bohm, Yandi Diaz, Brian Anderson, Ruf Nedodor, and Kevin Biggio. Uh, not really anything wrong with this tier. But uh, there just isn't much to like um, at all. The players on it shouldn't be able to offer you help in, what, a category or two? But they also face playing time concerns. Uh, One player here who I did have high hopes for and who might surprise some people is Alec Bohm. Uh, Struggled as a sophomore, but entering last year, I had him in the top 15 or so for third baseman. Lots of upside left in the tank for a 25-year-old who was the number three overall pick in 2018. Uh, He also doesn't seem to have many playing time concerns. So um, Bohm is certainly the most intriguing of this group for me. Yeah, it's it's an ugly group. I agree. Bohm. It's not too hard to see the upside. We saw it in the 2020 shortened season. But, uh, yeah, I just I don't like any of these players. If if I need some depth at the position, I'm fine taking a Yandy Diaz, who has really good plate skills. He doesn't have a lot of power with all the grounders, but he's as solid as a rock with double-digit walk rate and good strikeout rate. Good lineup, too. Yeah, good lineup. It's just this is a, this is a pretty unsavory tier, that's all. Yeah, I mean, Rufnet Odor could even be surprisingly interesting. Uh, Left-handed batters have had a lot of success hitting for power in Baltimore in in the past, and he's a guy that we know has power. And they sought him out in free agency, which I know that doesn't guarantee himself playing time, but it's, uh, it's not bad. 
No, he's a guy that could produce some things for you uh, as a very, very late round pick for sure. Joey Wendell, also interesting. A guy that's been a good bat going to Miami, should play all around the diamond. Um, like there's, there's random things to like about certain players. It's just not a very overwhelmingly exciting tier. Again, I think Alec Bohm is the one guy that has a legitimate shot to move up a bunch of tiers um, compared to the rest of these guys, similar to how Mike Moustakis has a guy that have a lot of earning potential based on where he's going and what he is capable of doing. I think that's super well said. It's a tier that I'm, I'm pretty chilled on. I'm not intrigued by it. So that basically means I'm just going to wait on whoever's the cheapest and just roll with that because nothing differentiates itself in here outside of bomb to me. All right, my man, that'll pretty much wrap this up. Unless there's any final thoughts on some of these players, these tiers, or uh, what's to come kind of next. I know we're going to have some shortstop action and maybe an outfield or two outfield shows at some point coming up in the next week or so. Absolutely. Third base is, uh, again, much maligned position. People uh, talking about how, how horrifying it is, and it is tough. It's you can get shut out and you might be looking at a Hey Eugenio Suarez, which could be a, a rough position to be in, but it's just a, a spot that I think you can go for guys like Donaldson, Turner. If you're interested in a Moncada bounce back, it's not overly expensive. So it's not a position that I think you have to invest a lot in, but I still think if you invest cheaply into it, there's still some guys that uh, could outproduce their, their draft spot and be a good bargain. Yeah, I mean, there's that's one of the biggest things to try to look for in fantasy and how you are successful um, in fantasy. It's it's not always uh, a lot of people think how important ADP is, right? And they look and they're trying to get guys around where they're going. That's not really how how you're going to win. I mean, it's obviously very important to draft properly in those first six to ten rounds, but you really can win your draft in the last 10 rounds as opposed and in the middle rounds as opposed to early on in the draft because everyone's team looks good through 7 to 10 rounds. Absolutely. And once once players start going down, like looking at the starting pitching pool last year, you had guys like DeGrom and Bauer come up a little bit short of what you had hoped for, even though when on a per inning basis they were excellent. You had guys like Blake Snell and Luis Castillo just completely – destroy you in terms of value so once uh, once the season kind of gets kicked off here and the bullets start flying it'll be amazing how much uh, our perception is going to change because some of these guys are just going to completely flop and then we're going to have breakouts that we never would have seen coming like Robbie Grossman or even a Robbie Ray for that matter yeah, Cedric Mullins, uh, Kevin Hastings and I were talking on my Count Stats pod earlier in the week um, about Blake Trinan and how crazy mm-hmm. his value is either going to plummet or fly yes. up based on what Kenley Jansen does and what the Dodgers do. Because Trinan right now going in like the 150 to 170 range in a lot of places, if Kenley signs back with the Dodgers. That drops down to after 300. If Kenley doesn't sign and Trinan's the guy, he moves up into that Class A Iglesias Presley range. It's it's a bet that I would not be willing to make just because there is so much risk that they could just bring uh, Kenley back and then all of a sudden you're looking at a setup man inside the top 10 rounds. But uh, I did get one share, thankfully, at pick 297 in my early drafts of Trinan. So if he does get the job, at least I've got a cheap elite closer. 
Yeah, no, for sure. It just goes to show you how much <laughs> things can change oh, yeah. um, it's when free agency opens itself back up. But this has been the Lucas Baseball Podcast Third Base Ranking Editions brought to you by DrRoto.com. Go check out our fantasy baseball draft guide. You will not be sorry. We got everything you could possibly need, not just for your drafts, but also in-season content as well. I'm Lou Landers. And that was my co-host, Lucas Beery, and thanks for tuning in to Lucas Baseball. We'll catch you next time. 